Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Ways View from the Clock End podcast. I'm joined, as always, by Chief Arsenal Writer at Football.London, Kaya Kainak. How are you doing, mate? You good, Joel? I'm good, Tom. How about yourself? Not too shabby. It's just a shame being cooped up when the weather's so nice outside. Um, but uh, it's going to be a lot like that throughout the summer. That's the uh, joys of working from home during a, a nice summer. But uh, hopefully we'll have plenty of positivity from the summer to discuss regarding Arsenal's transfer window, which is, of course, with the season over uh, our main primary source uh, of conversation. And it will be over the course of this summer window. However, there was some football played uh ever so recently and there is some football being played very soon so I thought we'd quickly touch on those two games first of all West Ham and Declan Rice of course winning the UEFA Conference League uh, what did you make of uh, the, what did you make of West Ham's victory and the parades that we've seen doing the rounds today I thought you were talking about our game at the, the Emirates last week when you were saying the football oh, being well, played we can talk about that I too know, I don't know if we can I classify say that, that for football, the to be honest the, the low standards of <laughs> what was on offer last week at the Emirates but yeah and I didn't actually see that much of the the West Ham game I, I went to go see the new the new Spider-Verse film with my with my friend but definitely would recommend that if anyone's not seen it but I watched the highlights I actually weirdly I caught both the goals just before I left the, the West Ham penalty and then the, the equaliser and it looked like quite a close game it looked like a sort of a, a game kind of befitting of a, the Europa League Europa Conference League without wishing to disrespect it too much but I think it's a really good competition because it gives sides like that, like West Ham, like Fiorentina, who have massive fan bases, the chance to win a major European trophy. And that hasn't always existed. It's very difficult. You're never going to win the Champions League, realistically, if you're a West Ham. Um, You're probably not going to win it if you're Fiorentina. You're probably not going to win the Europa League, although they came pretty close last season. But a competition like the Conference League gives you a chance to really go out and do something in Europe, which I don't think any of them will ever forget. So it's another reason why I was quite happy that Aston Villa got it, for example, uh, rather than Spurs, because it's nice to see smaller, well, not smaller teams, but teams who are going to take it seriously and to whom it means a lot. But as for what it means for Declan Rice, it's it's good. He seems very happy. I'm sure he's, he's he maybe just coming down from his hangover, um, given how much it seems like he's celebrated over the past few days and some of those pictures of them out at four in the morning in Prague. Very enjoyable stuff with David Moyes on the Stellars. It was very funny. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's, it seems like it's it's going to be a, a matter of time now before that first bid from Arsenal is is put in for Declan Rice. Obviously, we've reported on mm. FL that um, they were waiting until after the, the Conference League final just to be respectful to West Ham, just to be respectful to him. And I think continuing with that line of respect, I think they wanted to... Uh, just give him a bit of time to celebrate, give him the time to do all the victory parade. It wasn't going to be a case of the second, the full-time whistleblow, then Edu sends over that WhatsApp. I think it was going to be a case of, you know, give it a bit of time to breathe, let them settle. And then before Rice joins up with the England camp, I think we might see start to see a bit of movement on that front. So, yeah, very exciting times from an Arsenal perspective and congratulations to West Ham as well. Uh, I think when it's, such a kind of an uh, event for, for Rice. You're obviously going to see like these quotes come out afterwards about his appreciation. There's obviously a, a good connection there between him and the fans and knowing that he's going to move on. I kind of expected some of the quotes that I think we saw and heard from him uh, both today and and in that uh, after the game in the Conference League final as well. But uh, it's interesting that David Sullivan, of course, came out to kind of just completely confirm that Rice effectively will be leaving. Uh, you rarely see that. Um, I suppose that kind of then just leads the question into who he goes to. Arsenal, as we've mentioned, seem to be leading the race right now. There is interest from from other clubs, Bayern Munich, 
uh, are interested. And there's always been like lingering kind of monitoring of the situation by Chelsea, United and Man City as well. So we'll have to wait and see uh, if Arsenal are indeed successful, but certainly uh, they are looking to be at least for now re- leading the race. For Rice, um, sticking with midfields, Moises Caicedo, of course, remains the other target uh, in that midfield that Arsenal are very keen upon. It's been reported by numerous outlets that anything that Brighton are going to look to get from Caicedo is going to be significantly higher than the £70 million Arsenal reject were rejected of in January. What's the latest on our side from the Ecuadorian? Uh, yeah, there's a number of teams interested in, in Moises Caicedo, a number of teams who are talking to him. Arsenal have definitely been among those, those sides and obviously we all know about the interest in January and how significant that was and Caicedo obviously pushed to get that move over the line. It didn't end up happening. Arsenal pivoted to Jorginho and Caicedo went on to have a superb remainder of the season with Brighton, which I think is testament to the work Roberto De Zerbi does, testament to the work that Caicedo did and refocusing himself. And you can see now why Arsenal would want him as a player. I personally am of the opinion that it might take maybe an outgoing before that that Caicedo deal can can be done. I know Arsenal wanted to add a midfielder regardless, and then there's all the stuff with Granit Xhaka going on, what's going to happen with him. But for now, um, the Caicedo stuff is secondary to the Rice stuff. Arsenal are primarily targeting Rice, and then there's a possibility they could go back for Caicedo too. But you're right in saying that Bryson are going to want a lot of money for him in that intermittent period between the January window and now he's signed a contract extension, which is, as far as I'm aware, at least doesn't have any release clauses in it, which would mean that Brighton can charge kind of whatever they want for him. And they're in a very strong position. They, they manage things very well down there on the South Coast. And Deserby basically said on that final day of the season, he's expecting Caicedo to go, didn't he? He said, McAllister, it's probably his last game. Turned out to be his last game. He said, it's probably Caicedo's last game. We'll wait to see on that front. But Arsenal, one of the teams interested. Chelsea are another team interested. Real Madrid have been linked in the past, but their midfield is pretty stacked at the minute. If you consider Chiuameni, Camavinga, Bellingham, Valverde, they've got a very good young core over there in the Spanish capital. So I think it would be surprising if they went in for Caicedo, but you never know with Real Madrid. They are prone to, to a big money signing here or there. Having said that, yeah, Man U and Chelsea are two teams very interested and you can see why because Caicedo is an excellent player and I think Arsenal would be really, really, really happy to get him over the line, but whether they're able to remains to be seen. Yeah, look, I think I I went out with my view of the window and I went, if Arsenal get one of those two, you know, that'd be a great addition to the Arsenal squad. Um, The idea that Arsenal could get both is... To be honest, something in the last you know decade or so, I never would have expected from Arsenal to go out and sign potentially two players that would be record-breaking deals in their own right, um, individually based upon what we went into the season knowing, summer knowing, um, to get done. But it's possible. Um, it's certainly going to be a big ask for Arsenal to do that. How do you think that, hypothetically, if they were to sign those two, they would then react for other areas? Do you think that, if they were to get both, it kind of opens up or rather closes down potential avenues in other positions? Or do you think that Arsenal have always kind of looked at those two as as a real feasible option to sign this summer? Um, there's definitely money there. And in January, I was told that Arsenal wanted to get both Rice and Caicedo. They were hoping that by August 31st or September 1st, sorry, this year, that would be the case. And obviously, Jorginho has come in since that time and that does complicate things a little bit. But... There's, there's money there. Um, however, 
you know, is there that money to go out and sign Rice Caicedo and then lots of other talented players? I don't know. That could depend on, on player sales. And Arsenal are expecting to get a lot more money from player sales this summer than they have been in the past. They're obviously in a position now where they're probably not going to have to do too many contract terminations. You look at Nicola Pepe being the main one. Obviously, uh, they're expecting decent money for someone like a Flo Balogun, who we've reported is edging closer to a permanent exit. Uh, Austin Trusty could fetch a decent price. Uh, Pepe, I know I said he could be contract terminated, but if a team comes in for him, you know, there could be a decent fee there. Lokonga, Tavares, plenty of others who could, you know, all bring in a decent bit of money. And when you start to add that money up, it does look sort of close to the £100 million mark. Like that's just, you know, conjecture. That's not me knowing exact figures or anything. But I think if you look at what those players are worth, throw Kieran Tierney into the mix as well, Charlie Patino potentially. And there's some very talented players there who Arsenal would be letting go. And that could be worth quite a lot of money. That obviously then could be put back into the transfer kitty, if you like, and the Cronkies are keen to get back to the self-sustaining model, which means that money that's generated from player sales will go straight back into the transfer budget. That's the way it generally works at football clubs. So, yeah, I think that would be that would be good if Arsenal can, can go out and sell some players and then move for the, their other targets. This is what makes me maybe question the capability of getting both Rice and Caicedo just for now, because maybe Arsenal will reevaluate their their aims as they go on. They'll have a priority in terms of obviously Rice in to, to boost the midfield, but then they'll want to bring in a defender, they'll want to bring in a forward as well. So all of those things, maybe they'll think, oh, well, these are the things we need to do. And then that sort of cherry on the cake kind of territory. But we'll have to wait and see. I think player sales are going to be a big part of what Arsenal are capable of doing on top of what they're already planning to do in the transfer market. But they're ready for it, and Eddie's been planning for it for months, so we'll see what happens on that front. It seems as though the, the deals for both or one of Rice and Caicedo are predicated, obviously, well, more so the Xhaka exit is predicated on these two moves. Do you think it's an, maybe a show of of maturity somewhat that Arsenal haven't yet sanctioned uh, Xhaka's exit? I mean, I spoke to him after Nottingham Forest, and he told me that, you know, we'd hear before the Wolves game uh, what would happen in his future. We heard nothing, and Arteta played pretty dumb in the press conference um, to, uh, to when asked uh, in the press conference, I think it was Charlie that asked the question, um, you know, what was going on with uh, his future, and he basically said, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, we all know what's going on really behind the scenes, but do you think it's a show of maturity that Arsenal are kind of holding off on that before we get a potential incoming? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they'd love to have kept it out of the press and I'm sure they'd have loved for it to have been sort of a bit more low-key than it's turned out to be. But Arsenal have kind of uh, dealt, uh, made a rub for their own back by agreeing that fee so early with, with Leverkusen. Um, I'm sure it'll be a case of them wanting to just get the replacement in. But maybe that suggests that they're, they're more confident about the Declan Rice deal, I think. Um, it seems to suggest that, you know, they, they've got a strong feeling they'll be able to land that. And... I think it would just be a case of dominoes falling. Once the if if they get the Declan Rice deal over the line, then we'll see probably Granit Xhaka go to to Bayern Munich, and then all those dominoes start to fall across the European transfer merry-go-round, and things get, start moving very quickly. So, yeah, maturity. I don't know. I, I think it remains to be seen what position Rice ends up in. If he is that direct Xhaka replacement in that left eight role, then yeah, pretty smart from Arsenal to to hold off until they've got that replacement over the line. It's been pretty smart, full stop, how Arsenal have handled the Granite Xhaka situation by extending his contract and preserving his value. And I think that's pretty good. So, yeah, uh, good work from Arsenal on the on the Xhaka front. And, yeah, you're right. I think maturity is probably a, a good way to describe it. 
absolutely. Um, obviously, there are other outgoings to discuss as well, following Balogun's at the moment away with the US men's national team as well, which is, I think for him, is probably the right decision internationally. He's going to get plenty of game time playing abroad, and it'll be interesting to see how he gets on in these internationals as well. Are you still kind of set with the the idea of, of him being moved on? He scored again in his, you know, as he ended his loan with, with Rons. He's a no, a prevalent goal scorer in France now and he's returning to Arsenal and it doesn't seem that there's a, a pathway whatsoever. So is it still the right decision, do you think, for Arsenal to move him on? Um, yes, because I, I don't think his, his value is going to be higher than, than what it is now, probably unless he has a, an even better season next season, which, you know, remains to be seen. But uh, he doesn't want to stay. He's got two years. Well, he does want to stay, sorry. He doesn't want to stay and be not first choice. I should put it that way. And he's got two years left on his deal. If Arsenal want to sell him, now seems like the perfect time. Ben Napper has done a fantastic job of finding him a really good loan. Uh, Balogun's agents were also a part of that. So it was a really good decision. You know, there were teams in the Premier League interested, but he decided to go out to another country, another culture and test himself. And he's done really well out there. So I think for his sake, it was a good move. For Arsenal's sake, it's turned out to be a good move. And now seems like the time to strike while the iron is hot. I can't see Balogun signing a contract extension right now so with that being as it is then now seems like the time to go obviously I think if I were Arsenal I'd want to try and negotiate some sort of sell-on clause in there or maybe a buyback if, if possible I know Arsenal wants to put a buyback in Charlie Patino's uh, contract as, as sale potentially as you've reported so yeah those kind of things would make sense and if Arsenal want to, to move smarter in the transfer market as we're all hoping they will do I think these are the kind of moves they have to make. On top of that, you look at the fact that Gabriel Jesus is in the squad, Eddie Nketi is in the squad, Leandro Trossard's in the squad. There won't be those Europa League games where Artesa can rotate the entire 11 like he has done in the past. So I just don't see the minutes for Balogun. And I think he needs to continue with this level of playing time. He needs to continue on this upward trajectory. And teams like RB Leipzig, I know, are heavily interested in him. And if they come in, then that's a great move. That'll be Champions League football for him. Regular football in Germany, a top league as well. So, yeah. I think Arsenal would be wise to sell now. And while there's lots of teams interested, it feels like the right time to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and obviously, there, as you mentioned, there are other players that Arsenal could still move on between now and the end of the window. Nicola Pepe being one that Nice confirming today, of course, that that loan has ended and that he won't be returning there. Um, I've kind of predicted that he and Cedric could be the last two players we see invested in like edu likes to describe it um of which he told you in the summer of last year uh, about those investments that he likes to do. i'd be interested to see if they do turn out to be i just can't see a club looking to pay the wages that, that pepe's on with a year left maybe it's beneficial for all parties but cedric you know you've reported that wants to come back and, and fight for his place how realistic is that his goal for this season fighting for a place at arsenal well, I mean, the the reports are that he wants to come back and fight for his place. Uh, that's what we reported, sorry. And uh, Arteta seems to want him back. He's an experienced guy, popular in the dressing room, good professional, all those kind of things. Will he get the minutes? I personally can't see it. But then Takahiro Tomiyasu's injury does maybe complicate things a little bit. You wonder if Arsenal aren't able to get a, a full-back in. I know you've reported that they're interested in, in Ivan Fresneda. If they're not able to... To get that deal in relatively early in the window, I do wonder if they'll maybe hold on to Cedric a little bit longer just as an insurance policy. And then, you know, we'll see what happens. With him, the contract termination doesn't quite seem as likely just because of the necessities that there might be in and among the back line. That's what I'd be thinking there. 
when it comes to Nicola Pepe, Arsenal have, have made plans to, to terminate his contract. There's space for that within the budget. But also they, of course, would like to, to, to get a fee for him. And for clubs who are interested in, in signing him, it would obviously be wages-wise a lot cheaper to get him with a small transfer fee as opposed to getting him as a free transfer. So it makes sense from an Arsenal perspective on both fronts. But yeah, I wouldn't be too surprised if Cedric stays on just because I think there could be that necessity within the squad. Although, like we say, those Europa League minutes aren't available. Champions League minutes means that you need to play a first team every single game. And it does make things a little bit more complicated for those squad players. And Arteta's rotation is going to come under fire next season, I think. It's on a very decent amount of money every week as well. It's probably worth pointing out Arsenal would be keen, I think, to to move that on if they can. But yeah, it's a fair point about the squad depth. We'll have to wait and see what happens. You know, a fullback is definitely on the club's radar. So we'll see what happens regarding that front as the window progresses. Um, moving into the potential renewals of contracts, we'll start with Reese Nelson. You know, you've reported that that is moving in a very positive direction. We feel that there could be an announcement on that relatively soon, hopefully, maybe? Hopefully. Um, yeah, he's off on holiday at the minute, so maybe when he comes back from holiday, um, they'll start to, to move those decisions in and start to finalise it and announce it a bit more. Uh, the talks are moving in a positive direction. It's looking like he, he will be staying with Arsenal, which I think is a smart move because you protect his value and also you have a really impactful player off the bench. I think he had the best goals uh, goal involvements to minutes ratio of any player in the Premier League last season and if you've got a super sub like that who maybe can come in and start some games if Bukayo Saka needs a rest then yeah superb I think that's a really good addition to to the squad or not addition retention sorry if you like for the squad and it looks as though it's heading in that direction yeah, I mean, I've seen some criticism of, of it online, uh, as there always is in, in any form. You get different ends of the spectrum of opinions. But I, I just don't really see any downside to the idea of in, renewing Reese Nelson's contract. As you said, his goals per minute is great. I think he was arguably the most impactful sub all of last season. He always kind of offered something off the bench. Um, the big goal against Bournemouth, the goals against you know Nottingham Forest, I think is a really key game, actually, because it's a game, one of the few games where we were without Saka, because he obviously was injured so early on in that game. Nelson comes on and, you know, even though we were winning at the time to take control of the game was all thanks to, to Nelson. I think he got an assist as well in that game too. So it's really important that you, I think, hold on to potential talents. And even though he's moving into his mid-20s rather than his early 20s, I think that the, the potential's always been there and that could still be realised. It could be something of a late bloomer. And I think there's signs that that might be the case. And as you said, the protecting of the value is really important as well. So that if you want to do, you know, Balogun was renewed, potentially promised minutes they didn't happen he was sent on loan but you know Arsenal if they move him on should get a good fee this summer and the same could be said for Nelson yeah and what I'd say to those people criticizing it is the same people who criticize Arsenal for not making any money on player sales and now criticizing Arsenal for making sure they're potentially able to make money from a player sale it doesn't really seem to make much sense as far as I'm concerned I think I agree I think it's a really smart move from Arsenal and Listen, it's, if he wants to stay, I think he'll be well aware of the fact that Bukayo Saka is first choice on the right wing and Gabriel Martinelli is first choice on the left wing. But if he wants to stay and fight for his place, then it's it's his decision at the end of the day. He knows there are other teams where he could go and probably play every single week. But I think it will be a case of him thinking, no, I back myself. I've had a really good season. He's got a really close relationship with Arteta, who he's known since he was 14 years old. And I think those things also come into it. He's familiar with the club. He knows everyone. Uh, he's happy where he is. He's happy in London. So I don't really see a reason for him to go. I think it makes sense from from his perspective if he wants to to stay and compete. And I think it makes sense from an Arsenal perspective too. Absolutely. Um, let's look at the other the, and the, the big 
kind of profile regarding contracts, William Saliba. Um, it's been interesting because obviously we've seen a variety of reports covering this story. Um, but I think that things are moving in a positive direction. Yeah. Um, we've reported on Football London on Tuesday that Arsenal are, are confident their talks are progressing positively and the player shares the desire to stay. So I think that's really good news for Arsenal. I don't think that's exactly a hot take to suggest that he's someone who they need to hold on to. But I think in terms of going into this summer, it just quells those nerves from the Arsenal fans. I, I've seen some reports suggesting that he has another 12-month option beyond the 2024. That's that's not true. His contract expires in 2024 and, and that's that so they need to try and get it wrapped up as soon as possible they do risk losing him on a free you know potentially pre-contract agreement with a foreign club in january or uh, on a free transfer entirely next summer to another premier league team and i know there's a lot of teams that would be interested in signing williams Saliba on a free transfer let me tell you that but from his perspective if i were him and if i were advising him and obviously there's the caveat of my arsenal connections in this but i would think Real Madrid's pretty stacked at the minute in terms of centre-backs. They've got Alaba, they've got uh, Militao, they've got Rudiger, of course, Nacho's still there. So they've got plenty of centre-backs. And then you think about other teams you could go to. PSG is a bit uncertain what's going on there. You know, who's their manager going to be? What's the coaching staff going to be like? It always seems like that club's in a bit of a turmoil state. If you want to go to Manchester City, then maybe you're not getting the regular game time you would get if you stayed at Arsenal. And as far as I'm concerned, those are the main options he's got look at other teams maybe buy Munich I don't know that's just throwing that out the out the air as terms of big teams who we'd want to move to beyond Arsenal but again they're pretty stacked when it comes to centre-backs with Delict, Upamecano, Pavard, Hernandez so again you know if I'm if I'm William Saliba I'm thinking I'll sign another contract in a couple of years time if I'm happy if I feel I've achieved everything I want to achieve then I'll move on then for a decent transfer fee from an Arsenal perspective they might be happy with that as well and, you know, if not, if he wants to stay, then I'm pretty sure he'll go on to become an Arsenal legend because I think he was one of, if not the best Premier League defender last season. And I'd like to think that when he comes back from his injury, he'll be able to go even better than that and hopefully guide Arsenal to winning some some Premier Leagues because he is a, an excellent defender. And, yeah, it'd be great news if they're able to keep him. And it does seem as though it's heading that way. Yeah, I, I, I can't disagree with any word. I think that Saliba is probably the best young defender in the world um, and of his age bracket. Was the best defender in the league last season? He was certainly up there. You know, I think him and Gabriel both had really good shouts for that accolade last season. Um, and and certainly, if he if Arsenal were to lose him, uh, the amount of money it would cost to replace him with a play, you know, on par would be ridiculously high levels. So... It's within Arsenal's intention and Arsenal's, um, you know, it's within Arsenal's prerogative to try and extend this. There, I mean, it's to flip the coin somewhat, there has been others suggesting that Arsenal shouldn't be held to ransom over any player specifically. I mean, there's suggestions that wages could reach £200,000 per week. Do you think if Arsenal were to go that high, are they being held to ransom over the player? No, it's what he's worth. We've been saying how he's the best, one of the best defenders in the Premier League, if not the best defender in the Premier League last season those players command a lot of money. And if you want to hold on to the best players in the world, you need to pay them like they're the best players in the world. I don't think anyone had any suggestions that Arsenal being held to Rampton by Gabriel Martinelli or Bukayo Saka, who are on similar money. And I don't think anyone has any issue with Arsenal paying big money to, to Gabriel Jesus, for example. So, no, I, 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 complete, I could not disagree with that more. I think William Saliba, at the end of the day, his, his career is short. He has earned that level of wages by his performances. 
So if Arsenal want to offer it to him, then I think he'd be more than happy to to accept. And if Arsenal don't want to offer it to him, there's plenty of other teams out there who do. So I don't think it's a case of him being held to ransom. I think you can only say it's a case of him being held to ransom if, if Arsenal aren't in a position of strength. So, for example, with the Ozil contract a few years ago, Arsenal were in a position where they just let Alexis Sanchez go. They couldn't really afford to lose another big star. I think maybe Ozil's camp saw that and thought, well, we're going to ask for a bit more money then. That's not the case at all with William Saliba. Arsenal are tying down all their best young talents at the minute. They're on an upward trajectory. They're possibly going to be challenging for the Premier League next season on top of being in the Champions League again. So I think it makes perfect sense for them to pay their centre-backs the kind of wages that the top Premier League and the top of Champions League players earn. And William Saliba would certainly be worth that, in my opinion. Absolutely. Um, We've obviously, in these shows, got the opportunity to take questions uh, from those asking them. I imagine there's lots of other topics we can discuss, but we may then start bleeding into people's questions. So let's do that. Do you have any to hand or do you want me to go first? I do. I do. I've got one on Facebook from Ugbir Vershima Fabian. So thank you for the question. And he says, with these rumours of of Rice and Caicedo, what do you think that means for the situation of Thomas Partey? Yeah, I think that this is kind of bleeds into a saying that I've coined at the start of this window of reinforce, don't replace. And I think that's what Arsenal need to look to do this summer is that they need to add options rather than see players move out and replace those options. Yes, Granit Xhaka is leaving. You'd imagine that one of the two, and you know, from our understanding, it is two midfielders at least that Arsenal want to bring in in those positions this summer. And that's why both Rice and Caicedo are being looked at. If we lose Xhaka, bringing in two midfielders, you're reinforcing. You're not just replacing. You know, you're adding further options. There's been links. I don't know if you've seen them in Italian media that I, I haven't been able to confirm nor deny about Jorginho and Lazio. I, I think that it would make no sense for Arsenal to move. You know, Lazio uh, move Jorginho uh, onto Lazio. I think that for what we paid for him, even if we were to get that back, I don't know what ten million pounds does for us. To be honest, more than what Jorginho can add in terms of quality depth for us in the next season potentially two seasons if we choose to extend that. What do you think? Yeah, I think Jorginho is, it's not just what he's done on the pitch where I think he's been good and, and better than I expected personally. It's it's the influence he's had off the pitch. He's really become one of the leaders very quickly within that Arsenal dressing room. The squad really like him and they listen to him. And that's that's big. He's, he's you know, clearly he was a big influence at Chelsea. It's not taken him very long to establish himself as a big influence at Arsenal and I think he's been very good at understanding his role within the team and not necessarily having to start every single game, but understanding that when he comes in, he has to help this young squad through it. And if Granit Xhaka is going to leave, then you don't want to lose another one of your big leaders within the dressing room. And I think Jorginho could step up and and fill that role. So, no, I I like Jorginho. I think he's a good player to have. I think he's a safe pair of hands. There are games where I, I don't think I necessarily want him to play, but there are games where I really would want him to play. And I think, like you say, um, different options and I think he's a different player from Caicedo he offers different skills but they're both equally very good at what they do and that leadership I don't think can be discounted either mm, Absolutely uh, ASD on Twitter said uh, at Sosh GN says is Caicedo actually a target for us I think we've kind of tackled that he absolutely is um, F Bin Jabal at FB Jabal 2020 on Twitter says uh, as a fan should I be worried about Arsenal's budget and finances I just want my team to buy the best also does FFP really exist? I can't think of any club that's got seriously punished yet by FFP breaches. So two questions in there. Uh, it, it does exist. There are teams who have been punished. I think Red, uh, Wigan got a points deduction in the championship. Uh, I think Reading summer, yeah. have been done by it. I think Birmingham were done by it. 
but I'm assuming that the questioner there means big teams. And when it comes to that, no, there have not been any big teams who have been punished. I think Barcelona, weren't they briefly threatened uh, with some something? And I think City mm. were, were threatened with a smaller Champions League squad or briefly expelled from the Champions League, but mm. they were able to overturn that at the Court of Arbitration for Sport. So I think it's it's very difficult to suspend those big teams because they tend to have the big the biggest and the best lawyers. So that makes things very difficult to uh, <laughs> to enact. But yeah, um, the question about the budget, I think from a fan's perspective, and I, I, I've had a lot of chats about this with, with mates on, on group chats and they've all been saying, oh, I think Arsenal are paying crazy amounts of money for Rice. I think, you know, look at Bellingham. He's he's only around 100 million and Arsenal paying 92, 95 for, for Rice. And I think we as fans need to not worry so much about that because it's not our money at the end of the day. And, you know, I, I get why people think you don't want to crazily overspend. So, for example, I don't think anyone's suggesting that Arsenal should go out and do something like Spurs did and drop £60 million on, on Richarlison. I think, you know, you want to get value for money where you can. But at the same time, I'd argue that £92 million for Rice is value for money. And just because Bellingham's going for 100 that doesn't mean that it's not good value. It just means that something else is happening somewhere else. So... Uh, no, don't get too worried about that. Arsenal are in a financially very healthy position. They're back in the Champions League. The Emirates season tickets are selling out like hotcakes and match day revenue is massive. Uh, the shirts are selling record numbers, uh, largely thanks to you, you buying all of them, Tom. And I think that really helps. So, yeah, just if you want to support the club, if you're worried about the finances, I, I guess buy, buy the merch. But also don't worry too much because I think Arsenal were pretty well funded and now they're back in the Champions League. I think those those happy days are coming back in terms of the financial picture yeah those days of you spend we spend i kind of ignored them uh and just spent on club merchandise and have continued to do so ever since um you got a question uh yes i do um the question is are arsenal looking at any center forward from alex arsenal Emmanuel on, on facebook but um i think we can we can relatively confidently say out and out center forwards that's a no but I might repurpose Alex's question and ask, would you like to see Arsenal look at a centre-forward this summer? Yeah, I agree. Um, it's the priority, certainly, in midfield and defence right now. You know, you can never rule out anything changing later on in the window if an opportunity comes up. But uh, in regard to the, the reconstituted question, yeah, I would very much like to see um, Arsenal go for a centre-forward. I think giving Mikel Arteta something different in terms of what we might you know, have in terms of a, a centre-forward would be great to have a, a physical option, a different style of option. So you've got more tools to tackle problems of different oppositions, you know, someone to bring on in the latter stages of games if you need to. It sounds really obvious, you know, having a plan B. But, you know, Man City have got the luxury of basically having a striker who can do pretty much everything in one, you know, brilliant package in Haaland. Whereas, you know, Arsenal have got a more specialised centre-forward in Gabriel Jesus. And again, in Ketia, more of a six-yard box finisher type. And it'd be great if Arsenal had somebody that offered some different traits and characteristics. So, yeah, I would be keen on on Arsenal looking at a centre-forward, but certainly know that, and quite rightfully, the, the priority is, is signing players in areas like midfield, like the defence, to get those 42 goals that we conceded significantly down. Um, and that's definitely got to be uh, a priority. A uh, question from, and I mean, to be fair, uh, Moba here says, uh, do you think Arsenal will be able to add reinforcements to the forward line after addressing the midfield defensive needs this summer? I mean, I'll throw it, obviously, I've had my thoughts on it. I'll throw it back to you. Do you think that there is scope potentially that we could see 
surprises in the forward line? There's been suggestions of a you know a creative midfielder Arsenal would like to add as well. But what do you think? They'd like to add a forward. Um, mm. It won't be an out and out number nine, I don't think. I think it'd be more of a player who can play across the front lines. So that's why I wasn't surprised to see those reports of, of Moussa Diaby linked. Those kind of players, mm. I think, are the types that Arteta likes. I think he likes versatility within his front line. I think he likes unpredictability, movement, all those kind of skills, which is what makes Gabriel Jesus such a perfect Mikel Arteta centre-forward. Having said that, yes, I think I would like to see Arsenal uh, bring in a more different centre-forward, let's say. I think I'm, I'm someone who, when those Dominic Calvert-Lewin rumours were around, I, I wasn't too upset about them. And before Ivan Tony's betting ban, I was, I was kind of looking over at him with sort of wondering eyes and thinking, yeah, that's a player who could who could improve this Arsenal squad just because I think I, I think Eddie was actually really good last season. I think when he came in, he sustained the title race momentum in a way that we were all really terrified Arsenal would falter after the World Cup and they didn't. And I think that's largely because of the work Eddie did up front, obviously supported by Trossard's arrival and, and the players around him. But I think there were games towards the end of the season, I think to those 3-3 three, three draws, uh, the losses to Forrest and Brighton, where Arsenal clearly needed something different from the bench. And Arteta just went like for like every single time. And the reason he had to do that was because there's not too many different options. There's not really a plan B. Maybe it's a bit basic to say, get a big man in the squad and lump balls up to him. But sometimes football is a little bit simple. And sometimes it doesn't hurt to have someone who can cause the opposition defences different problems when they've been knackered for 70, 80 minutes of having to deal with being harassed by Gabriel Jesus. I think maybe they want something a bit different to deal with, or maybe they won't want, sorry, something a bit different to deal with. So yeah, that kind of centre forward, in my opinion, would, would take the Arsenal squad to, to another level. It would add a bit more firepower as well. So yeah, I think it'd be really smart. Yeah, me too. Uh, I think it certainly would. Uh, did I? Yeah, I kind of reconstituted that question, didn't I? But uh, we'll go to uh, cat in the wall at cat underscore in underscore the underscore. Guess what? Whoa, uh, says, are you surprised we haven't been at least linked with Joao Felix again? We still need another forward and we clearly rate the player from those links back in the winter. Um, so obviously the, the, the links are there from January when Arsenal were interested in him. They went in, they opened talks, they heard about the loan fee and immediately left those talks because they thought it was too expensive. Jao Felix's wages are very expensive, as has been well documented by how much Chelsea had to pay essentially per game for him. And also the fact that he signed a contract extension at Atletico Madrid means that if you want to sign him, you're looking at around the £100 million mark, which I don't think anyone thinks he's really worth at the minute, because Atletico will rightly want to recoup at least the majority of what they paid for him, which I think was 120-odd, was it, when uh, the summer that Antoine Griezmann left? So... I think the reason that Arsenal won't go for Joao Felix, as things stand at least, is is because it's too expensive. I think he'd be a fantastic addition to the Arsenal team. I actually liked what I saw from him at Chelsea, and I think within a team that has a clearly defined system and a role where he can actually play and link up with inform and exciting and confident attacking players, I think he would have been really good for this Arsenal squad. But I just don't see it happening this summer for all those reasons I outlined, unfortunately. Yeah, it's far too Far too pricey of a deal. Uh, I can't see Atletico wanting another loan. I, I mean, maybe they could be tempted into a loan because they extended that contract by another year, which kind of protected them. They could always try and do that again. But you'd think a player like Israel Felix would kind of want more stability going into his mid twenties yeah. now. I just, I just think Chelsea's rubbishness in the transfer market is kind of ruining it for everyone else. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, there's a, a problem with Felix. There's a problem with Mudrick. I'm sure it'll be a problem with many other teams this summer. So we'll see. 
While on the topic of Chelsea, you, you probably saw some of the suggestions that Arsenal have an interest in Kai Havertz. Um, what do you make of that as a as a potential link? I've never been wowed by him at Chelsea. Mm. I haven't heard anything on those reports, but yeah, the, the, I think was it the Telegraph have reported that today, and they're obviously a very trustworthy source. So maybe there is something there, but um, no, I haven't thought too much about it. I don't have any strong thoughts on it. I think I'd be a little bit disappointed, but then I think there is a good player in there with Kai Havertz. I think he just needs to be managed in the right way and maybe they need to find his right position, which I don't think is an out-and-out number nine. I think he needs to interchange a little bit more. He needs to move around a little bit more. And I think at Chelsea he was played as an orthodox nine. I don't think that really suited him all the time. So, yeah, there's definitely a player in there. I mean, he's, he's scored the winning goal in the Champions League final. So, you know, he's he's certainly promising and there's certainly a potential there. But again, I, I think it would be expensive. Uh, I don't know if Chelsea would be willing to, to sell to us. I don't know. Uh, you know, post-Jorginho, I'm sure there's a relationship there. But yeah, it would be a bit of a weird one, I think, for me. Yeah, it would. I also think the price that they would ask would just not make much sense with what Arsenal want to do in the window. Um, so yeah, I don't think it's. I don't think it's a likely one. Did you have any more questions? I'm out on my side. Yeah, yeah, I've got, I've got quite a few more. I mean, we should reference almost every question is are Arsenal getting Rice and Caicedo? And if you're, if you're wondering about <laughs> yeah, so that, when I said can... I'm out. I mean, I've gone through all the questions that aren't about Rice and Caicedo. Yeah, yeah. So to everyone who asked about that, we, we discussed it at the start of the pod. So. Scroll back if you're listening on your phone or, I don't know, press your, your back key if you're, if you're watching on YouTube. But, oh, God, I found it really old there saying back key. I don't even know if that's the word for it. The um, back key. The back <laughs> key. The back key. Here's one from Vlad at VVladAFC on Twitter who says, with the news that Smith Rowe is not being sold, clearly Arteta sees a plan for him. What do you think will happen with him in terms of playing time and position next season? Um. Well, as you know, as has been reported, we we know that Arsenal have no intention of of allowing him to go, which is you know positive news. And uh, I think there was a growing concern, maybe to a bit of an exaggerated level, about his future. I just think that he's had a season where he missed the whole first half through injury, which meant that Arsenal's starting eleven was completely established by the time that he came back in a season where. They went out of most of the tournaments they are in fairly early on. Um, be it, you know, the the fourth round of the Carabao Cup, the fourth round, I think it was the FA Cup, the quarters of the uh was it the quarters? I think it was of the or was it the last sixteen? Sixteen. It was the last it was the last sixteen, wasn't it? Didn't even get past that of the Europa League. And we got to the point where we were playing pretty much one game a week. So the idea that Smith Rowe would get loads of minutes after recovering back from injury just wasn't there. And when Reese Nelson was showing so much promise off the bench. Obviously, he was going ahead of him in the pecking order as someone that Arteta had trust in coming off the bench to to make a difference. I think Smith obviously had his chance in that game uh, against was it against Bournemouth where he came off the bench and didn't necessarily look that great um, when Trossard was injured. So, and then obviously Nelson comes on and, and scores to to get the winner in the last moments. Although he did get the header to to Partey's equaliser, it's worth noting. But yeah, I think maybe there was a lot made of Smith Rowe's season when actually he just suffered from a really injury hit campaign and then the unfortunate situation of coming back in the second half of the season where minutes are limited and uh, ultimately wasn't able to get there. He's apparently been doing some work with an individual coach out in Georgia um, 
and he's going to be playing for the England under 21s this summer as well, which is, you know, I think is a really good. You usually look at summers and go, oh, I hate when players have to go away at the international teams because, you know, they could get injured. But actually, I think this could be a really good opportunity for an extended pre season, if you like, for Smith Rowe um, and, and have some competitive games under his belt playing regularly because you'd imagine he'd start for the under 21s. So, yeah, I, I'm really hopeful of a, of a positive 23 uh, 24 for Smith Rowe. What about you? Yeah, he's so that Bournemouth game you mentioned. I think that seems to have been the day where Reese Nelson moved ahead of him in the pecking order, mm-hmm. and he was unlucky in that sense because he wasn't fully fit and he was thrown in. And Trossard got injured very early on, and I'm, I'm sure if, if Trossard hadn't got injured, then he would have come on maybe for the final half an hour, and maybe he wouldn't have looked off the pace. But he's he's fully fit now. He's pain free. He's been really good in training, and I think you're right in saying the under 21s are going to be big for him. He's he scored last time he went away with them. I think he feels quite happy there. He's quite at home. I think he's got a good relationship with Lee Carsley, the under 21s coach for England. And I think that's going to be good for him just to, to get away from Arsenal a bit, try something new, know that he's going to be getting minutes, not thinking that he's got to sort of, I guess, overcompensate, just, just knowing that sort of the, the confidence that you're going to be playing. I think that's going to be big for him. And then we'll see what happens next next season. You're right that, that the minutes, I think, will be there for him because he's position-wise, he's been training as a, a central midfielder. If Jacker goes and, I don't know, if Arteta sees Rice as a, a more defensively-minded midfielder, then there'll be minutes for him there. Marcel Odegaard can't play every game, so there'll be games where most of the throw plays. He'll be competing against Fabio Vieira in that position, and given the form Fabio Vieira showed at times last season, I think maybe he'll be confident of getting a few minutes ahead of him. So, yeah, it won't be easy for Smith-Rowe, but... I don't think it was, especially if you miss five months in a, a, a club as, as the size of Arsenal, sometimes you get left behind and it's up to him to make sure that doesn't happen because there's definitely a talented player in there. We all want him to succeed because we all want to see Helen boys in the first team making a big difference like he did in that season when he was the second highest goal scorer. And hopefully that can come again because, you know, if, if he comes in next season and scores 10, 15 goals, then Arsenal will be a much better team for it. So fingers crossed we see that from him. Absolutely. Any other topics that you would like to cover before we wrap things up? I think, I think that's me. I think that's it. Lovely stuff. I think we've done a comprehensive review of the start of the trans window. Of course, we'll be bringing you more of these views from the clock end show across the rest of the summer. It's going to be busy. It's going to be hectic, uh, but you can sure to keep up to date with all of the updates on it over at the website, football.london. You can find it there. Kaya, thank you so much for your time out as always. My pleasure, Tom. Thank you very much. Indeed, you can follow Kaya on Twitter where he's going to be bringing you his information at KayaKarnak97. You can find myself at Tom Canton Media. Uh, and as I mentioned, all of our written work is indeed over on football.london. If you've enjoyed today's show, please do drop a like on the video or if you're listening on audio platforms, leave her a five-star review. If you're on iTunes, you can leave a written review. We'd really appreciate that. Any feedback is always appreciated. Continue to follow our socials. We'll let you know the next, the next opportunity rather to ask us questions is. And uh, yeah, have a fantastic weekend rest of your week and uh, we'll speak to you soon and as always keep following us down the Arsenal way with our view from the clock end <laughs>